Hosea so far. I break up Hosea into just four little pieces um, because I sometimes have to have these things memorized, so why make it hard? Uh, Part one is the early stuff with the unfaithful wife and the faithful husband, chapters one to three. And then that's matched with the unfaithful nation and the faithful God. And that's chapters four and five. And tonight, the first two or three verses of chapter six. Then we flip to part three, which is most of the rest of tonight, which is uh, Israel's, and I'm going to use the word chastisement. I differ with your NIV or New American Standard Bible outline of this book because they usually call it Israel's punishment. But I want to note the difference between punishment and chastisement. And I think it's important to note that. And then the last uh, uh, chapters, 11, 12, 13, 14, is that four? Um, God's faithful love for Israel at the end of the book. But let's just dive in uh, with uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord. Um, Sounds kind of like, come, let us return to the Lord, like it's the Venite or something. Um, and, uh, but then, he has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. Uh, remember we have back and forth in Hosea? Suddenly law, suddenly gospel. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Anybody want to thrust their hand into the air and comment about verse 2? Doesn't it, though? Yeah. Uh, Jesus used Jonah as a picture of the resurrection. And if Jesus hadn't done it, I wouldn't have gotten it because I'm just a dork and Jesus is Jesus. But so, so that we understand that Jonah is a picture of the resurrection, Jesus uses that. Um, apart from Jonah and maybe one other passage in Genesis, this is the only hint about the three-day resurrection in the Old Testament. Otherwise, it's all Jesus saying, on the third day, he will rise and so forth. Um, The other one, it's the third day of creation. So what is made on the first day of creation? It's light and dark, right? Second day of creation, we have division of water and water. Clouds above and wavy waves below, right? Third day of creation, the land comes up out of the sea. Then in days four, five, and six, I should have slides. I do have slides, but they're not in this slideshow. Um, on days four, five, and six, days one, two, and three are filled in. So what's missing on day one with, 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 sun, with, with light and dark? Well, it's the things to make the light. So sun, moon, and stars are made on day four. What's missing in the empty sky and the deep blue sea? Fishes and birds, yeah. So those are made on day five. And remember, we are, I, it, and sometimes children forget that the land was made two days before that. So yes, the birds have a place to land. They don't have to stay up in the air for a day. But, you know, little kids. Um, and then uh, day six, the land is there, but it's empty. And so God makes the, the other three categories of living creatures. Fish and birds are made. So domestic animals, wild animals, and creepy crawlies are made on sixth day. And then Adam and Eve, right? And then on day six, God puts up his feet and watches Gilligan's Island because it's the day of rest. Uh, Going back to day three, 
The land comes up, but something else comes up along with the land. Things begin to grow, plants. Those things I am going to call the first fruits of the creation. And then Paul, that's the third day of creation. And then on the third day of Christ's entombment, he rises from the dead. And Paul calls it in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, the first fruits of the resurrection. So the first fruits of the creation, there will be more things that grow after the first fruits. And in fact, everything has since then. And there will be more that rises after Christ's resurrection. For example, me and you, right? But so that, I, I, I'm going to take that as a, as a little hint here of the third day of the resurrection also. But this is the big one, um, the, uh, the uh, after two days. By the way, this pattern, two days, three days, is uh, pretty common in the prophets, in the prophetic books of the Bible. And if you really, and, and sometimes it's six, no, seven, often it's three or four, maybe five and six, but two or three, um, four. And if you really want to see it until you're going to scream at the page, okay, I get it, is if you read Amos, who doesn't do anything else for a chapter and a half. For three sins of Judah, even for four, I will punish. You know, and, and, then, and then two verses later, for three sins of Ammon, even for four. I, and it goes on and on, and you're like, okay, 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 now I get it. And so it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's sometimes called an ascensive pattern or a progressive pattern, but not only this, but also this. But he will revive us, he will certainly restore us. Um, that we may live, and where do we live? This is also a hint that it's the resurrection. We may live in his presence. So, wonderful, wonderful stuff. Three and four. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. Have you been watching the sunrise in the morning this, this week? Beautiful, crystal clear sky, and yet... As one of my sons says, ooh, daddy, rainbow sunrise again, because there's all kinds of pinks and blues and oranges, even without clouds. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, beautiful, these beautiful early March sunrises. Just gorgeous. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. What do farmers need to get the hard, rock-hard ground to take the plow Rain, yeah, soften it up and soak it so that there's something worth being in for the seed. So God provides everything. And then verse 4, what am I going to do with you? What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like eh, the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. You know, God is this drench of rain. And these people are like, you know, a little wisp of something that vanishes in the morning. It's worthless. Um, now, now he gets angry. Therefore, I cut you to pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. My judgments flashed like lightning upon you. Um, the flash like lightning is also a, a term used for the way a sword cuts. So cut you to pieces, killed you with... Judgments fled. Those are all kind of sword terms also. Um, so God, I'm, I'm sending my law to bring you to repentance. And why? For I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, 
I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus quotes this twice. And Hosea goes on, an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. So what God is looking for is mercy. Is God looking for his own mercy? No, that's from him. What mercy is God looking for? Mercy in who? Yeah, yeah. Or you could just say in man, in us. He wants us to be merciful to one another. We should love as he has loved. That's not what they were doing. And what kind of sacrifice is God looking for? Is any old sacrifice good? Good enough? Well, go back to Cain and Abel. What was wrong with Cain's sacrifice? The attitude. Yeah, it wasn't from his heart. Um, So even an unregulated sacrifice, and by the way, undemanded, as far as we know, Cain invented sacrifice, uh, uh, and yet his heart wasn't in it. Why do it? But his heart wasn't in it. He thought he would just make God happy with it, but it was God wanting him to show his faith and his gratitude. So formal worship without faith. We can run into that problem in our lives, can't we? Formal worship without faith. Um, Is it sinful to hurry through the table prayer? Where's your attitude? Yeah, And where's your repentance? Um, Is it sinful to say the Lord's Prayer and wander off in your mind while you're saying it? In fact, is that kind of easy to do sometimes? There is a story of, I won't bother you with the names, but there were two monks one of them said he could do something without sinning. And the other monk said, I bet you can't. And he said, I bet you can't even say the Lord's Prayer without sinning. And if you can, look out that door. I'll give you that horse of mine. If you can say the Lord's Prayer without sinning. So the guy, you know, I don't know if he warmed up and all that, but he, you know, I imagine him kind of warming his hands up, getting a good fold to his hands, make sure the fingers are just in the right position like Mama taught him, closes his eyes, not too tight, bows his head at just the right, deep breath, gets about to our Father who art in, and he stops. And the monk who bet him said, what happened? And he said, I was wondering if the saddle came with the horse. (laughs) Um, As far as I know, that's a true story. And uh, so he didn't even get that far, you know. Uh, I can't. Now I apologize because now the next five or eight times you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're going to think of that. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Not the thing I should have done during Lent. Um, but, uh, but when I'm saying my nighttime prayers, sometimes, you know, is it okay to take a run at him again? You know, I often start my bedtime prayers with a general, like, just talking to the Father. Um, And then I kind of settle down with all of that, and I get to often the Lord's Prayer. I like to say the Apostles' Creed in my little group. And then I finish with my typical finished prayer, which is my, my family's version of Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep, which I changed the day my, ch- my first child was born. Um... So as a child, I was always bothered by if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Amen. 
And so for the sake of Jonathan and all my children, and Kath jumped onto this right away, we started saying, if I should die before I wake, I know that, Lord, my soul you'll take. Amen. A confident prayer of faith. There's nothing wrong with the other one. But because it bothered me as a child, I decided to do something about it when I became a dad. And, I, and, I, and then we do our God blesses in my family. You know, God bless Mama and Daddy and Jonathan and Benjamin and Peter. And we have, even though all four cats are now with the Lord, we say all the four, names of the four cats, you know, and, and go on and, and, uh, and so forth. So, uh, but but if, I, if I catch myself wandering with those, I might take a run at it again. But what happens if you're so tired you can't think anymore? Is it okay to say, you know what, Lord, I'm sorry. I love you, good night. You know, sometimes I think that's okay too. All right, mercy, not sacrifice. Not formal worship without faith, but mercy as God has shown mercy. Now we have a problem in this verse. Like Adam, they have broken the covenant. They were unfaithful to me there. Gilead is a city of wicked men stained with footprints of blood as marauders lie in ambush for a man. So do bands of priests. They murder on the road of Shechem, on the road to Shechem, committing shameful crimes. Can we go backwards through this? This ends, to me, with something that sounds an awful lot like the parable of the Good Samaritan, doesn't it? Yeah, except there were no Samaritans yet. This is before the exile, and, uh, but he's talking to the people of Samaria. That's kind of curious, but I guess this was a thing even back then. And who's doing the marauding? In the Good Samaritan, the priest just walks by, right? Here, it's the priest who's the jerk. Pardon me. But, I mean, you know, he's the one who actually does the thieving. Gilead, um, which is kind of up and to the right of, of, of the Sea of Galilee, up where there is a balm. Um, Gilead is good cow country. Uh, but it's uh, stained with footprints of blood. They've been murdering people up there and walking away. Remember what God says to Cain after Abel dies? After, uh, the, you know, your brother's blood cries out from the ground to me. Then, in verse 7, the word there at the end of the verse suggests a place, right? So what Adam are we talking about? We have three possibilities, right? Adam, the, do I have these on your sheet? Adam, the first man. Adam, uh, the place in Joshua 3.16. Or Adam, which, by the way, is the Hebrew word for mankind. When you're translating in the Old Testament and you see Adam, you have to say, is this the guy or is this all mankind? You, you have to say that and you make judgment choices according to context. And sometimes you might even say, oh, haha, could this be a place? And here, oh, this really could be all three because it seems to be a place, right? Well, there was no covenant with Adam, the first man. It could be a covenant God made with all mankind um, in some way, like the covenant with Abraham or Noah or something like that. Or it could be the covenant made at the city of Adam, which in, in one, it's one of these classic 316 verses. Uh, Joshua 316 is where they, after they crossed over the Red Sea, how wet did their feet get? Not at all, dry ground, right? They left Egypt, 
crossed over the Red Sea, and when they finished that sojourn, they crossed over the Jordan and also did not get their feet wet because God made the water pile up at a place called Adam. And they crossed over on dry ground. Now later in the chapter, we're going to hear something else that makes me think that maybe this is the place, Adam. Because they sinned at Adam also. This also goes back to something earlier in the book of Hosea where after, uh, after forgive me, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, uh, the guy Achan was caught having stolen something and broke the deal, the covenant. So I'm just going to let, let that sit for a moment. Let's move on. We'll come back to it, okay? I have seen a horrible thing in the house of Israel. Their Ephraim is given to prostitution, and Israel is defiled. Also for you, Judah, a harvest is appointed. Harvest, in, when Jesus talks about harvesting, Jesus is usually talking about not, not the happy reapers with the sickle, but which kind of reaper? The grim reaper, right. He's talking about judgment day. Um, and that's the kind of harvest that's being appointed here. And with regard to prostitution, remember that with God, idolatry is the equivalent of adultery. Um, but all through Hosea, God is calling out to his adulterous wife Israel, come back, come back. Don't be unfaithful to me. Come back. Now, there's something hard in verse 11. And that is that halfway through verse 11, we switch to chapter 7. So, uh, uh, the, the end of verse 11 is the beginning of chapter 7. So, I'll let you just deal with that, okay? Remember that the chapter and verse divisions of the Bible were not made as part of the original text. There are sometimes hints in ancient manuscripts there will be sometimes paragraph breaks, for example, in, in manuscripts. There are in the Dead Sea Scrolls occasionally. They're, they're just gaps, but they're a gap of three Alephs. That is, to, to write the letter Aleph or A in Hebrew three times, that's how long the gap must be in certain places um, and, and other things. And wow, if we go back to Exodus 15, where it's Moses' song of the sea, they put those gaps before and after and between the words so that the whole chapter on the page looks like waves. It's the way you had to write, you had to draw the text of, of, of Moses' song of the, of the sea. It's, it's not as if they drew little wagon wheels and dead Egyptians on the bottom of the page, but they may as well have, like a little kid drawing, like, oh, there's a star up in the sky, and okay. Anyway, chapter 7. Whenever I would restore the fortunes of my people, whenever I would heal Israel, the sins of Ephraim are exposed and the crimes of Samaria revealed. Ugh. Um, I wanted to forgive them, but what was wrong? There was no repentance. All I found was more and more run. In 1983, uh, my father's paint store burned. And can you imagine, um, first of all, the stink of, of a burned out building is something you never forget. But imagine now the, the look of a burned out paint store 
where cans of latex and acrylic and and oil-based and lead-based paint had exploded during the fire. And this is all over the floor in the ashes and the soot and the crud. And there are tubes of caulk that have burned, oozed, and cracked solid. And wallpaper books that have gone up in pieces and the shreds are everywhere and all of everything else. And, uh, and, and as you're walking through it, the, the more things you lift up, the more crud and ooze you find underneath. It was just, let alone the heartbreak, the absolute... My, my grandparents were carried to safety by a neighbor. But the birdcage was closed. So, um, bad luck with birds in that apartment. Anyway, um, uh, more about that another time. So the more, the more they looked, the more they, God found that was wrong. And uh, so they practiced deceit. Are we into the actual chapter 7 now? Chapter 7, 1. Uh, not, no longer the end of 6. They, thieves break into houses, bandits rob in the streets, but they do not realize that I remember all their evil deeds. There's their sins engulf them. They are always before me. Um, how is this different from a Christian who sins and repents and sins and repents and sins and repents. In one of my college adventures, and I guess counting Sam, I had four of these. Um, I had a roommate for a while who struggled with alcohol. Um, and for him, it was damaging his life. And, 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 but he had learned to open... Um, his uh, cologne bottle and fill it with vodka so he could have it on his counter, on his, on his dresser, and nobody would know. Uh, so so he, he would struggle, you know, sin and, and, and repent and sin and repent and sin and repent. What do we have there that's missing from Ephraim and Manasseh? Yeah, a conscience and repentance. With Ephraim and Manasseh, it was just sin and sin. With a Christian who sins and repents. What Peter asks Jesus, right? How, how, how many times should I forgive my brother who sins against me? Seven? You know, Jesus says, no, multiply that. You know, it's, you, if, he for, if he repents, you forgive him. Doesn't matter what the number is, right? Just if he repents, you forgive. That was missing here. Their sins are always before. They delight in the king with their wick- or they delight the king with their wickedness, the princes with their lies. They're all adulterers, burning like an oven whose fire the baker need not stir, from the kneading of the dough till it rises. On the day of the festival of our king, the princes become inflamed with wine, and he joins the hands, or he joins hands with the mockers. Um, when you talk about getting inflamed, you're talking about you know, their, their, their dander getting up and they're all riled up and like an oven that doesn't even need to be heated up anymore, it'll bake all the way through. And what were they doing? Well, in Hosea's time, this is what they were doing. Second Kings chapter 15. In 20 years, four murders. These are the kings being murdered. And oftentimes the murderer was the next king. So 753, Zechariah murdered by Shalom. Who becomes king? 752, a couple months later, Shalom murdered by Menachem. 742, Menachem dies after 10 years, probably of 
terror. Um, then uh, his son, two years later, Pikahaya, um, that's, not a, that's not a Pokemon. Pikahaya is a guy. Um, uh, his Menachem's son, he's murdered by Pika. Pika. And uh, Pika starts his own kingdom off on the left. And then he comes back in and tries to take over everything. And he's murdered by Hushia in 732, the last king. What if in the last 20 years, four of these guys had murdered the priest, the, the, the one before? You know, how would we feel if Bush had murdered Clinton? If Obama had murdered Bush? If Trump, I misspelled Trump. If Trump had, mis, had murdered, misspelled, yeah, I misspelled Obama and, and, and uh, you know, and, and uh, what if, I mean, how would we feel? Um, but that's what was happening in Israel. And the people were, were, were getting stirred up and supporting these guys when they would murder one another. Any questions uh, as, we, as we go about this far? So, so obviously we have, we have the indictment of the faithless nation. But yeah. there must have been a remnant of believers scattered throughout here. Yeah. How did they handle this condemnation? Jose comes along and just slams everybody. And, mm -hmm. and if you're one of those small groups of faithful people, what do you do? I can't think off the top of my head in this time period of anybody who fits that. But I can, that doesn't mean that they weren't there. But just a little bit before this, we had Elijah and Elisha. And they found people. Um, the, the Shunammite, for example. Um, Elisha finds the Shunammite. Shunam is name, that hill in Galilee, where later Jesus would raise a boy from the dead, the Shunem is on the same hill where Elisha raised a little boy from the dead. And um, so there are those remnants of people who are faithful. And boy, the prophet comes and they say, you can have whatever you want. This is what we have. And, and the prophet says, your, 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 your jug of oil, your, your, your barrel of, of uh, flour, it's not going to go empty as long as the you know, the thing lasts, and uh, so there were some. And so maybe they would have, maybe the father would have gathered the family almost as if it was the Passover night. Like, here comes the prophet's judgment, and we're just going to say amen, brother. Um, I'm glad somebody finally said it, but I, I guess if I were a dad at this time, that's what I would have said. I would have told my family, that, li listen to what the prophet is saying, and we... We're, we're vindicated. We should keep on doing what we're doing. Um, I know we get stopped at the border by the king's sheriffs. We cannot take our goat down to Jerusalem. And so what do we do? We're not going to go to Bethel. We're not going to go to Dan. We're going to go to our backyard and slaughter it as if it's just supper. But we're going to pray to God to accept this offering even though it's not done properly. But because God wants, what did Hosea say? Mercy, not sacrifice. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.